Second Corinthians chapter 4. And we're going to finish this chapter today as we are talking about and here learning from Paul what it means or what God wants to teach us through seasons in our lives where we're going through suffering. We're going through suffering. And I've titled this message for in only three verses, Vision for the Invisible. And if you like taking notes, maybe you're writing down in your Bible as a side note. But write that down, vision for the invisible, starting from verse 16. Let's read this now. It says, therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. Your inward man is being renewed day by day. For a light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us so far more exceedingly an eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things that are seen, but we look at the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, God. Because today we have the opportunity to refocus what we're looking at. Lord, we have an opportunity to focus again, Lord. In the things that are not seeing, the things that are eternal, God. I pray, God, that you would speak to us together as a church corporately, but even individually, that you would encourage us through your word. And we pray this all in Jesus' name, the church together said. Amen. Amen. The vision for the invisible. See, and now in this chapter, chapter 4 specifically, Paul is talking about, and he starts to pinpoint areas in his life in where he started to suffer for the sake of the ministry. And how many of you know that you too, when you sign up to serve the Lord, when you gave your life to Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you're going through some seasons in your life that are very difficult, that are hard, maybe hardships and trials and tribulations. But here Paul is teaching us to learn from them. And he's saying, as, as we're going through this, I want you to know we did not lose heart. We didn't get discouraged. But the reason why he didn't get discouraged because his eyes were focused on things that were eternal. His eyes were fully focused on the things of God. Have you ever gone to get an eye exam? Right? And they're looking at your eyes, they're seeing how good your vision is. And maybe you need to get your eyes dilated sometimes or your glasses adjusted, your prescription, whatever it would be, so that your vision would be clear and it would be focused. I pray today it would be as if we were going to that master physician and saying, Lord, fix my vision today so that I would look to you and not to the things that move me away from you. You see, in this verse and in these verses here, he's going to tell us as to what helps us not lose heart. With this, he learns. There's a pattern of self-denial that he has to be a part of through suffering. Me and you, when we're going through suffering, we're going through this, this pattern of denying ourselves because of these hardships. But through that pattern, he tells us, I'm identifying more like Jesus in the process. And Jesus is manifesting himself through me while I suffer. Because I get to deny myself. Because I get to trust him. Because I get to build endurance. Because godly character is produced in me through the suffering. And because of this suffering, I can learn from it. You see, not only is he learning from it, but he's motivated through it. I don't know about you, but I'm not really motivated when I'm going through some hardship. <laughs> In fact, those are the times where most of us are demotivated to do anything. 
But here Paul was so motivated because he had an eternal perspective. And in verse 14, he knows that his eternal perspective is hope that one day he will be raised up at resurrection, right? That not only him, but the church in Corinthians would be too. And because of that hope of eternity, he has this motivation that keeps him strong, even and in spite of suffering. I want to ask you today, what motivates you today? What motivates you through easy times, through good times, but also what motivates you through those difficult times in your life? Because you will go through them. And he tells us and he teaches us what we do today matters in eternity. What we do today matters in eternity. What are you doing today that will actually matter in eternity? After you die and then you face now our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, at the judgment time, what you did today will matter for eternity. And He he wants us to understand this because He's using these afflictions to mold Himself and He wants it, it to mold the church as well to be more like Christ. You see, Paul was no amateur when it came to suffering. He had an advanced degree in the school of suffering, Paul. He was shipwrecked. He suffered stripes. He suffered beatings. He was stoned. He was uh, now beaten many times. He was left in many prisons alone. And, and, and he was not an amateur when it came to suffering. Maybe today you came and you said you've suffered a lot. You have a story today. You have a testimony today that that speaks of of some open wounds that you have, maybe some scars that you've maybe acquired along the way in your journey of faith. Well, Paul is telling us God will use suffering for His glory. God will use those scars, those wounds for His glory when you're fully submitted to Him. He's not going to use suffering when you're not submitted to Him. In fact, we have a promise in Romans 8, 28 that says this, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to His purpose. We know that those things work out together for good. Now you would possibly ask, how is this working out together for good? Was working together for good because it's making you more like Christ as long as you're submitted to His will. A lot of times we get so discouraged. We get so anxious, so restless, right, through suffering. But what does suffering accomplish in the life of a believer that's submitted to God? What does it accomplish? It it accomplishes five things. We wanted the first three things last week. Number one, it builds endurance. It builds endurance in your life. What does now suffering do in the life of that person that is submitted to God? It's building endurance in their life. In fact, in verse 11... He says that he's building endurance for Jesus' sake. I'm going through all this for Jesus' sake in verse 11 of chapter 4. In verse 15, he says, I'm also going through this for your sake because I love you, church. So I'm going for it through Je- for Jesus' sake. I'm going through it for your sake. But then in verse 15, at the end of it, he says, I'm also going through this for the glory of God. So do you see how selfless he is becoming in the process of trials, in the process of hardships, in the process of tribulations? In that process, he's learning now to live for Jesus' sake. He's learning to live for others' sake. And he's learning to live for the glory of God. You only learn that as you're building endurance. How else would you learn to live for Christ's sake? 
for others' sake and for the glory of God apart from trials and hardships. In fact, God can use him as a tool to teach you. Number two, he teaches us also to deny ourselves. What does suffering do? What does hardship do? It teaches us to deny ourselves in verse 10. But also it teaches us to put our trust in God. Maybe you've come in today and you need to put your trust in God. And through the hardships, through the trials, through the tribulations and, and different things that are taking place in your life, you need to lean in to God's grace. You need to say, Lord, I need to step in. I need to lean into your grace, your strength to get endurance, to get some power today, to be refueled today from there because my trust is in myself, is in circumstances, is in resources, is in experience. And when you're, when you're I'll tell you this, when your trust is in yourself, your resources, experience, you will soon become discouraged because those things will fail you at one point or another. But God will never fail you. That's why these hardships and these trials are teaching us to put our trust in what never fails and that is in the hands of God. Do you know that? Or maybe you came today putting your trust in something that is so temporal. Where is your trust today? The safest place to put your trust, your faith, the safe what you will never lose out on in your trust is to put it in the hands of God. And today we're going to go over the last two things in, where, in what we learn through suffering. The fourth thing is that suffering produces the character of Jesus in you. It produces the character of Jesus in you. And it also focuses, number five, your attention on eternal things. Let's read in verse 16 again as he shares with us these verses. Now he's talking about the struggle. And he says this, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet our inward man is being renewed day by day. In verse 1, he already says we don't lose heart. And in verse 16, he's saying again, we do not lose heart. Now not only did he give you we do not lose heart in verse 1, but he also told you everything he went through. And then again he says we still don't lose heart. Why does he not lose heart? Why doesn't he get discouraged? Because here you have a mission-minded servant. And the mission-minded servant, I'll tell you this, will focus his or her attention on God. And when you focus your attention on God, even as you're going through the valley of the shadow of death, just like Psalms would say, the Davids would say, your attention is focused on eternity. Do you see that displayed here? Therefore, we do not lose heart. When my eyes are focused on Jesus, when your eyes are focused on Jesus, you can endure through any trouble. Because your eyes are focused on something bigger than your problem. Your eyes are focused on something more lasting than that temporary pain and trial. It, it's focused on something bigger and greater than any of that. And it says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Again, we do not lose heart. Now, what things make us lose heart? Maybe you're experiencing anxiety or a circumstance of pain or pressure, hardships at work, at home, with family, with finances, and you're experiencing some losing of heart, some discouragement. Well, sometimes we lose heart because we lose focus. We lose heart because we're losing focus on the things that actually matter. You know, in my life, I personally can, can tell you there have been times that I've lost heart or I've become discouraged. But the only reason why is because I lost focus on what God called me to do. 
But not only that, sometimes we lose heart because we don't see the results that we're expecting. We don't see the success or the outcome of what we've invested now. When we start to lose heart, we become discouraged, whether it's in ministry or in life. You would think to yourself, well, I thought that by this time in my life, I would have this accomplished, the family, maybe at this career, at this point in my life, and those things are not happening. So you become discouraged or disillusioned, and you start to lose heart. You say, well, I'm doing all these things for the Lord, and why is it that my life is not at the place where I thought it would be? And you become, and you start to lose hearts. Maybe you start to lose heart because you're not learning anything from suffering. You feel like it's all wasted time in life. Or you're looking at the material things versus the spiritual things. That's the fastest way to lose heart. When your eyes are focused on something material versus something spiritual, you will eventually lose heart. Well, what about this? You're losing heart because you don't feel, and I really want you to understand this word feel, you don't feel like you're advancing. So you become discouraged and you say, well, I'm, I'm losing heart in what God has called me to do, what He's called me to be, what He's called me, to, His will for my life through His Word, and you lose heart quickly, right? But He's going to tell us even through the hardships, even through all of that, we didn't lose heart. Why? Because He has, he has focus. And understand this in verse 16. We don't lose heart because even though in spite of, regardless of, our outward man, and notice this, I love that he uses outward man because he's talking about our physical bodies. And he's named it now a physical body. He's talked about it as in jars of clay or earthen vessels. He's talked about the body or mortal flesh. He's talked about as the earthly house or a tent in the next chapter, right? Right here he's talking about the outward man, something that is temporary, is perishing or it's dying or it's decaying. Our outward man is decaying right now. We can live a very healthy life and work out and eat the best foods that we want to do, right? The latest diets that we want, but our bodies are still decaying right now as we sit here, as we speak, as we're right here at church together. Even though our outward bodies are decaying or, or perishing, or even though we're going through this type of suffering that is very extreme, yet our inward man, and look at, look at the value of suffering that he finds. There's always something that we must learn through every season of our life. And I want to ask you, through the season that you're in right now, are you learning anything? What value are you bringing out from that type of suffering? Because even though our outward man is perishing, your inward man, which is eternal now think about that he compares the temporal versus the eternal your outward man the the outward body may be perishing but the inward the eternal your soul well think about that what's more important to you, your outward body or your soul are you investing more in your physical body or are you investing in your soul but the inward man here your soul is being renewed here day by day your spirit is being renewed day by day. And I love that it says day by day because it's an encouragement to us. Doesn't it, isn't it so encouraging to know that our spirit and our soul is being renewed day by day to be more like Christ? It's not an overnight process. You don't wake up one day and you say, man, I look and I feel and I talk and I walk just like Jesus. Here I am. No, it's a day by day ongoing process. As you're going through those trials, as you're going through those temptations, as you're going through those hardships, but your face is focused, your vision is focused on eternal things. 
is focused on the invisible, what you cannot see. Your vision is focused on the Word of God. Your vision is focused on the Word of God. And that's how your spirit is renewed. The, the word renewed here is speaking of something that's getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. Through suffering, that happens. Because as your spirit is getting renewed, it's, it's now providing character, godly character. And it's an ongoing process that happens every single day. Maybe, maybe you're going through some kind of trial in your life right now and you know that every day it, 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 it is costly. Every day it's difficult. Every day it's painful. But every day it chips away more away from your pride, yourself, your sin. And it puts your eyes more on Christ, more on Christ-likeness, right? And because of that, God is getting the glory. You see, in Romans chapter 5, verse 3, Paul talks about suffering there. And he says this, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Have you ever gloried in tribulations? I haven't. <laughs> Have you ever been in a situation in life where something happens in your life and, and you feel like, oh, right, everything went the wrong way. Oh, right, and we're going through some suffering. No, he said, we glory in tribulation. We're thankful to God. And even in tribulation, that's Thanksgiving right there. You're, we're about to get ready and, and celebrate Thanksgiving in, in, a, in a week or so. As you do, thank God for those moments in your life that you were going through hardships and suffering and you learned the value of trusting in God and endurance. Amen. Because it says that not only that, we glory in tribulations knowing that. I know it. Don't focus on what you feel through suffering. Focus on what you know through suffering. Knowing that tribulation produces, or here we go, tribulation develops. And development is not overnight. Development is an ongoing day-by-day -day process. Here it says, Tribulation develops or produces perseverance, which means endurance. And endurance and perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. Do you see how it's making you more like Christ? Tribulation produces perseverance. And from perseverance, I get now character. And from character, I get hope. Right? Joros Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, one day went and he heard a young preacher that was preaching a message and he was preaching it so good there was some fire in his heart when he was preaching that message. And after, all, after the message in church, he walked out, the prince of preachers, Joros Spurgeon, out of that church that was packed out that day. And he looked over at his wife and he said, Hon, wasn't that such a, an amazing message? And she said, yes, it was, but it would be even better once that young man suffers a little. Why? Because it produces character. And character produces hope. You think about a marathon runner. How does he gain endurance? He doesn't gain endurance by doing sprints. <laughs> he gains endurance by the toil of running long miles. Sometimes we want to gain endurance by running sprints. And that doesn't happen. You see, you gain endurance by the toil of running long distance. And here he's saying, Paul knew that death-like trials, these trials that are making me deny myself are, are, are good or, or, or they're, they're, they're made for more effective ministry. They're making you more effective. But thank God for the trials in your life because they're making you more effective as a believer out in the world. They're making you more effective and more useful in the hands of God because now you're learning to trust Him. Now you're learning to deny yourself. Now the pride is moving aside. Now the ego is going away. So we thank God even through our outward bodies are perishing. Here he's saying, 
Our inward spirit is being renewed day by day. Thank you, Lord, for this trial today because my spirit is being renewed day by day. You see, Paul had reasons to be discouraged. And you have reasons maybe today as you came in to be discouraged. But Paul had more reasons to be committed. And I think sometimes we think about every reason on why we have to be discouraged instead of every reason why we have to be committed. <laughs> why was he committed? Because of hope. Because his eyes was focused on eternal things. You see, I've noticed that the people that are most distracted, I've noticed the times where I've been most distracted are the moments where I'm focused on all the wrong things. What are you focused on today? Are you focused on all the wrong things? Or are you focused on things that are going to matter in eternity? What is it that you're investing in today? Because life goes so quickly. Today is and tomorrow is gone. How are we investing in eternal things? And now it goes on in verse 17. For our light affliction. This is important for us. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Underline that in your Bible, please. Because here he's going to teach us how he goes from suffering to glory. Our light affliction, which is for a moment. Our present troubles now. Our pain, which is temporary. Did you know that pain is temporary, but promises are eternal? How many times have you thought in your life, no, this pain is never going to go away. The pain is temporary in comparison to the glory that is eternal now if you are living your life in Christ. That pain is so temporary. The thing that you think about that your mind is so consumed and worried about is so temporary. The aspiration that you've worked all this time, all these hours, all this effort is only temporary in comparison to eternity. Now he's talking about hardships, but he said our light trouble, our light suffering, our light pain. Why is it light? Why does he keep calling it light? It's light for several reasons. Number one, it's light because it's for a moment. It's temporary. That's why it's a light affliction. It's not as big of a deal than what we really think it is. Now I'm not dismissing in any way the pain that you're going through today. But let's put it into perspective here in what, why and how Paul is speaking about a light affliction. Why is it light? Because he's holding that affliction and he's putting that on a scale and then he's comparing it to the glory that's coming in eternity and he's saying this weighs way more than that affliction. It outweighs it so much more. That is a light affliction in comparison to the weight of the glory of eternity. But you just think about that. You put your problems on one side of the scale. And then you put the, the weight of the glory of eternity on the other side. The weight of the glory of eternity will every time outweigh every single problem that we're going through. Doesn't that give you courage to continue? Doesn't that give you hope to look to Jesus? That is weighs a lot more significantly than anything you're going through. And it says in verse 17, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, or it's momentary, or it's temporary, which is working, or is working for us. Now underline or highlight circle for us. That light affliction is working for us. It's not working against us. You sometimes we think, well, this is working against me. 
Everything is against me. This entire season is against me. The entire year maybe as we end has been against me. And the whole time here Paul is saying all of that that I was going through. The strifes and the beatings and, and, and the hardships and the shipwrecks and all of that. The stoning was working for me. <laughs> what do you mean it was working for you? It was working for me as I put my eyes on Jesus and I became more like him. It's working for us here, not against us, or it's producing, it's accomplishing for us here something greater, or it's accomplishing for us a far more, far more exceedingly and eternal weight of glory. Do you see that? The results that he's talking about here? That is producing for me, that hardship, that light affliction is producing for me something that is more eternal. It's far reaching. It weighs a lot more than anything that I'm presently going through in this season today. It outweighs them and it it also lasts forever. It's important that we look at the things that last forever. Because he's saying the affliction that we're going through is a light compared to the weight of the eternal results that it produces in our lives. It is light in comparison to the eternal results that are being produced in your life right now. What kind of eternal results are being produced in your life right now through the suffering that maybe the hardship, the season that you're going through? Because when you think of the eternal results that are being produced right now, they far outweigh, eternally outweigh, any present situation, any present situation, in fact, in Romans 8.18, he says this, I consider that the sufferings of this present time, we always think present time. Why is it that we're so focused on present time? We're always focused on what's in today. It's going to be old tomorrow. Have you ever looked at a picture of yourself 10 years ago? You thought you looked great. Now you're embarrassed to show it to anyone, right? You can't believe you were wearing those stuff. This is, I consider the sufferings of this present time are not even worthy to be compared with the glory that would be revealed in us. It's not even worthy to compare it to the eternal results that are being produced in me and in you. In fact, he calls it a light affliction because it's, it's light in comparison. Not only that, but it's also in comparison to what other people are suffering. We, what about when you think about it that way? It's a light affliction in comparison to the eternal results that we're going to see in our lives accomplished through that inward man being renewed every day. It's a light affliction when we see to the glory that it leads. It's really not as big of a deal that we think. And this again is not a man that is speaking without knowing what suffering looks like. He very much so is writing from suffering. He's writing from the position of suffering here. He understands what suffering looks like. But not only that, he also tells us that suffering is not only temporary. And I want you to remember this today. It's not only temporary in the life of the believer, suffering is also transforming. Can you remember that today? Suffering is not temporary only, it's also transforming. It's also transforming. Why is it transforming? And in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6, tells us this, In this you greatly rejoice. Rejoice in this. Though now for a little while, now for a little while, and I, and I pray that you write this verse down because it says a little while. <laughs> And now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. It's only a little while. That the genuineness of your faith, though the authenticity of your faith, that your faith may be tested, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
Now he's saying, you know what? Glory in this tribulation because it's only for a little while. It's testing your faith and your faith is now going to bring glory, praise and honor to God even in the midst or as a result of this little trial. You know, this is amazing because he talks about how the genuineness of our faith is tested by fire. You think about what else is tested by fire. Think about gold that is purified in the fire. It's tested by fire to see the quality of gold in fire. In fact, if you put gold in fire, it starts to melt away all the impurities of that gold. It brings the best of the gold out. Isn't that amazing? When you look at it, when you think about gold, it brings the best out of the gold out. It brings the character, the integrity of the, of the gold out. So your faith, the same way your faith, becomes stronger in the fire as well. It brings the best out of your faith out in that fire. It makes your faith, here we go, durable. I don't know about you, but I want some faith that is durable. I don't want faith that will not last the test of the fire. You see, just like you are in that fire, he's saying in 1 Peter, and your faith is being tested, it's bringing the best set of your faith to bring a durable, mature faith that is melted away from all the impurities, that is melted away from anything that distracts the holiness of that faith. Just like that, that's what a trial will accomplish. Do you see the value in the perspective that he's saying? And verse 18, the last verse that we will read today, what does it tell us here? And, and, and he, he does this in exceedingly an eternal weight of glory, what we do not look at, while we do not focus our attention. And, and, and the question today would be, what are you looking at? What are you looking at? What is the goal? What is the goal? Why is it that you do the things that you're doing? Who does it bring the glory to? Well, we don't look at, we don't focus on the things that are seen. Next to seen, write the word temporary. Write the word for a moment. Write the word a little while. We don't focus at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. And when he says the word look at, he's, he's talking about contemplating. We don't contemplate, we don't key our eyes on, we don't focus, we don't consider, right? But we focus now, we, we shift our attention. We shift our attention on the things that are not seen. You know what he's talking about here on the things that are not seen? He's talking about almost as if you, now you took a telescope and you looked at something that was far away and it was so small to look at and you looked at it from a telescope to focus your attention and to view it close up. See, eternity is for sometimes for us, we think it's so far and we can't even see it. You saying, I'm looking at it from a telescope and from the now lens Everything from the lens of eternity. Where I'm looking at eternity before I look at everything. And I'm making it and I bring it into my view. And I'm bringing it into my focus. What would happen if your focus, your view here. Was covered by eternity. By the eternal weight and results of what really mattered in life. Because Paul was not sold by security. Paul was not sold by comfort. And today in our culture we're sold by that. That if you are secure and if you are comfortable, then you've hit and arrived at what we call success. And Paul is saying, no, that, that's wrong. That is not true. 
In fact, he's saying those other areas in life have given me more value than anything else because they've taught me more about Jesus. I'm fixing my eyes here on what is not seen. What is not seen? The invisible character of God. Sometimes we want to see visible fruit in our lives, but an invisible character is being produced. Right now you think, baby, nothing is happening. I'm going to stand still in my life. I don't see any doors opening. God just has me waiting, and you're trying to see some visible fruit, and you're pouring that water in, and you're pouring that water, you're trying to make fruit come out, and the Lord says, just wait. I didn't say no, I just said not now. (laughs) And you start to think and get a little frustrated, but sometimes God is producing invisible character while you're thinking visible fruit. Look at the invisible character that's being produced in your life today. Well, because that's exactly what Paul was looking at. He was keeping his eyes, he was considering, he was contemplating the goal, his eternal perspective on what suffering accomplished as he was obedient to God. And if you want to be that person that does not lose heart, and I'm sure you do, if you want to be that person that does not lose heart, you must have vision for the invisible. Lord, that door closed. I still have vision for eternity. Lord, things might not be going good, but my focus is on eternity. Lord, things are not going good at work, maybe at home, but I focus for that eternity. I'm getting my eyes on the things that I can't see. Because sometimes our eyes are on all the wrong things. And we're looking at the material when God has called us to look at the spiritual. The spiritual matters more. The spiritual matters more. Great faith. I'll tell you this. Great faith in a sovereign God. Great faith in a sovereign God is much bigger, is more valuable than a big bank account. What is more important? What is more valuable to you? Sometimes what's valuable to us, it's so temporary. But great faith in God, trust in God is more valuable than anything that, you, that the world can deem valuable to us and sell to us as valuable. The most important things in life are invisible, like faith, like hope, like spiritual power, like love, like being in the will of God. Those are the most important things. And first, verse 18, it says, For the things which are seen. Now, what would happen if we started to live by that verse? For the things that are seen are temporary. Temporary. I like it because he's going to talk about how our bodies are so temporary in the next chapter. And he's going to name it a tent. Have you ever built a tent? Have you ever gone camping? And you go and you go and camp. Go to the first thing you do. And you, you put up your tent and camping. What do you know? I remember, I remember putting up the tent. And it was so amazing growing up. Going out camping. Putting out our tent. What I didn't like is taking it down. <laughs> And he says, just remember, it's like you're putting a tent up. You know you're going to take it down. You know a tent is temporary compared to where you really live, your house. Where is your eternal home? What is your, your permanent address? Your permanent address is not in that house that you have. Your permanent address is heaven. That should be your focus. That is home. That's home. And he's saying here, for we focus now on, now for the things that we see are temporary, but the things which are not seen, the things that are not seen are eternal. He's going from the temporary to the eternal. From temporary problems to glorious eternal rewards that he will receive. The New Living Translation reads the verse like this, for we do not look at our troubles that we can see now. We're not looking at what we can see now. Are you looking at what you can see right now today? Brother, we fix our gaze, he says in the New Living Translation, on things that cannot be seen, for the things that we see now will soon be gone. Notice that. That thing that you have right now, that you're all pumped out about, one day it's going to get old. 
And one day it's going to be gone. But the things that we cannot see will last forever. And the question here today is what's most important to you today? What is most important to you today? What is most important to you today? The reason why he did not lose heart, even through suffering, is because what was most important to him was eternal things. What is most important to you today? Because when you're going through a trial, when you're going through the fire, when you're going through a hardship, and and, and you're feeling the pressure and the pain, but your eyes are fixed on eternal things, guess what happens? You're able to have the endurance that gives you the strength from God, that gives you to continue going, and the results are spiritual. Are you looking for more temporary results or spiritual results? What does a success look like to you? What does arriving look like to you? Because Paul had nothing. It's a shame when, I, when we think about where he wrote most of the Bible from. He wrote most of the Bible from a pit that was a prison. And it wasn't a prison like what we think of today, like a cell. It was just a hole. And he was, commentator said that he was standing in his own feces and urine and not having showered, chained to guards. And he would dictate to someone to write these letters. And he was saying, I'm okay. I'm okay because I'm thinking about the spiritual, eternal results that are taking place right now. Maybe today you don't think you're okay because your eyes are on something else. Now in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Looking unto Jesus, fixing your eyes on Jesus. What are your eyes on today? Fix your eyes on Jesus today, please. When you fix your eyes on something else, your husband, your wife, your house, your bank account, your job, your career, your relationship status, your anxiety and your pain, you're continuously going to become discouraged because you're going to compare yourself. Because you're going to be frustrated. Because you're going to wish you were at a place you weren't. But when you focus your eyes on Jesus, you realize that he, who, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. So what, is it, what, is it, what does it look like to fix your eyes on Jesus? It looks like endurance. You build endurance as you're looking to the finish line. Have you ever seen a marathon runner? Have you ever seen a sprinter? And they look, what is he looking? He's not looking to the sides. He, he's looking to the finish line. And some of the times we're in this race that we call Christianity. And guess what we're doing? We're looking at who showed up to watch us run. <laughs> we're looking at to see if, if enough people came to see us compete or to participate. Or to see if, if we're standing right there in that finish line with that person next to us. Or in that lane of that person that we started with. And comparing ourselves in our lane with that lane instead of saying, I'm looking to the finish line and that finish line is Jesus, eternity. That is the finish line. I want to encourage you today, church. What is it that you're looking to today? Are you looking to the things that really matter? Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, right now, God. For us that have come today, I thank you for Hebrews 12:2. It says that we can look to Jesus, who's fixing our, we can fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He despised the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We thank you because your son Jesus went to the cross for our sins, to forgive us of our sins, God. And if we go to him in repentance, Lord, we can receive forgiveness of our sins. We can be reconciled to the Father.
through the blood of Jesus Christ. And we can have hope of eternity. We don't have to live a life that's empty. We don't have to live a life that just vanishes away with no meaning, no purpose. We don't have to live with the question, what is the meaning of life? We can live with a focus, with a gaze, with our eyes fixed on eternity, Lord.